Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. All right, welcome to the Blessed Life. I'm going to do a quick review of the past few um, sessions that we've had on this series so that you guys can get caught up if some of you have missed some of this series. Um, we are in uh, week six, um, and next week is the last week of the series, and I'm, I'm honored that um, Kevin is going to bring this thing home for us. Um, I will be in Wallace, um, Idaho, preaching at the Church of God in Wallace with our friend Ben, uh, Bob and Lisa Sharp. There. Um, just so you know, in 2023, one of the things that you will find is that we will be having meetings and doing trainings and things with uh, with a Church of God in Spokane and a Church of God in Wallace. Um, I'm just we've been trying to like like come on, let's come together to find some synergy in the region with literally affiliated churches. We work a lot with unaffiliated churches, but we really want to grow our our impact with the churches that we're affiliated with in the Church of God. And so um, you will, we will have a district meeting here in January, at the end of January, where all those churches are going to come here and we're going to party. Um, we're going to get encouraged in the Lord. And so you get to come minister to some people who aren't from our church, but they need ministry. You know, and then we'll go and then get ministry from them uh, from time to time as well. So I, I'm excited about that. Okay. All right. Are you guys ready? All right. Here we go. <laughs> okay, all right. So week one of The Blessed Life, we talked about these things. The principle of the first. Okay, the first belongs to God. We see this clearly all throughout Scripture. This one's available online, right? And, and when he talks about the first, he talks specifically about the firstborn and the tithe, right? And the reason why that's important is because Jesus represents the firstborn of all creation. And when God gave Jesus, it redeemed all of those that weren't firstborn. This is what happened in Egypt when, when, when God brings the, uh, the tenth plague and he kills all the firstborn of the animals and the humans. And it's because all of the firstborn always belonged to God. And it was his actual legal right to take all of the firstborn. It wasn't him um, doing something outside of his will and becoming this villainous murderer. That's the, like, no, this is, that was God's right. He always has a right to the firstborn. And so this is why he can say from Abraham, can, are you willing to give me the firstborn? Okay, and so, so we see that Jesus actually steps in, and because he is a perfect, unblemished, firstborn sacrifice, the sacrifice of the firstborn being offered to God redeemed the rest of it. And he gives us this model in our finances that the first 10%, the tithe, redeems the rest, redeems the 90, brings it under the blessing of God. That's, and it's not because the church needs your money. It's because this is a pattern that God has established in Scripture for your benefit. Okay, so there you go. Next. Are you clicking it? Okay, good. What? Oh, my gosh. What? Lord, have mercy. Okay, week two. Is it going to happen again like that? Okay, okay. All right. Tithing, um, we, what test? Right? We talked about tithing as a test. It's a test of our heart. Right? We talked about how tithing is biblical. Jesus said tithing is biblical. Hebrew says that when we tithe, we actually give our offering, we give our tithe. It goes directly to Jesus so when we tithe, we're not get just giving to the local church, even though that's the model that's supported in Scripture. We, it's actually we're giving it to Jesus so he can redeem a thing, right? And tithing is a blessing. That's online as well. Listen, I, please don't come argue with me until you've watched the series. And then we can argue. All right. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, week three, we talked about the heart of generosity. We need to deal with a selfish heart. When we, when we struggle with being generous, sometimes we just need to deal with our own selfishness. We need to deal with the fact that I experience sorrow sometimes when I give. Sometimes when I give something away, I'm like, oh, man, 
I could have used that. You know, like we can attach sorrow and grieving to um, giving. And we also need to develop a generous heart. How do we do that? One of the ways to do that is through gratitude and thankfulness, right? The more grateful you are, the easier it is to give. Okay. And then week four, we had our good friend Dennis. I just grabbed a couple of quick points off of his sermon. God wants your heart. We choose his abundance and we believe in God and we obey God. This is how we step into the abundant life. Okay. And then uh, week five, we talked last week, we talked about multiplication. Something must be blessed before it can multiply. Something must be blessed before it can multiply. One thing that, I, uh, that really impacted me in my understanding of giving and tithing and all that kind of stuff is that God never once says, be generous with me with your tithe. He never once uses the word give when it comes to tithing. He says, bring the tithe mine. It's mine. The tithe is mine, says the Lord. Bring the tithe. So whenever we hear the reference of tithing, that's not generosity. That is partnering with God in his financial plan. Like there is not a better, there is no better franchise system in the world than giving God 10% for success. So we bring the tithe and then what he does is anything that we give above that, he can multiply. He can bless it because it's redeemed. He blesses it. And now you can, um, you can multiply because only what is given can multiply. If you don't give, it's never going to multiply. Okay, so there's that. All right, today, this was the one sermon in this whole series that I was most excited to preach because I think this really gets to the heart of the matter for us as believers, Right? We are working today. We are going to break the spirit of mammon. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 16. Let me just say this. Mammon, it's in, the word mammon is in Scripture, and it's four, in Scripture only four times. And Jesus used it three times. And one of the times, it's a repeat between Matthew and Luke right? And, and just, it's like the parallel passages in the same sermon. So we're going to look at that sermon in Luke chapter 16, okay? We're going to look at it. Um, Luke 16, 9 through 13 says this, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. And, and, and no servant here in Matthew, it literally says, no one, nobody, right? Nobody can serve two masters. And for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. He will either love one and hate one, or he will be loyal and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your goodness. And I ask right now that you would begin to just begin to pour out your spirit in this place. That the words spoken today would set us apart in your kingdom to do mighty exploits according to your will and according to your word. That all of the things that have hindered us in our past would be broken off today. We thank you, God, that, that you are so much bigger than money. So, Father, all of these things that have been swirling around and that have been stirred up over the last five weeks, I just declare it all gets settled today. It all gets settled because this is a spiritual battle, not just one of our reasoning and our logic. So we thank you, God, for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. This is the only phrase like this in the Bible where, where, where Jesus contrasts serving God with something else. It's the only time Jesus says, you can't serve God and mammon. He, doesn't, he never makes this kind of comparison anywhere. Right? So I think it's important that he, this is the one place where he makes the comparison. We need to pay attention very carefully to that. He says, you cannot serve. 
You cannot do it. No one can do this. You cannot. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay? And I'm actually structuring the message today in some questions. Okay? So the first question is, what is mammon? We have to understand, what is mammon? Well, I will tell you what mammon is. <laughs> right? Normally, we think it's money, but, but it's actually much deeper than that. Mammon is an Aramaic word, which means riches. Okay? It's an Aramaic word, which means riches. But that word comes from the name of the Assyrian god of riches. Now, first point here, what is mammon? Mammon is a spirit. Now, I don't believe Jesus was simply referring to riches. I think he was referring to a false god that they knew the Assyrians had, a god called mammon. And it was the God of riches. So then where did the Assyrians get it? Well, it actually, this, this whole thing came out of Babylon. Right? This concept of mammon, this God of mammon came out of Babylon. Well, Babylon, if you look at just the very first part of it, we know Babel means Babel. Like Babel on. Like they just kept babbling. Right? They, they didn't have the same languages. It sounded confusing, right? Which is really interesting because the word Babel actually means confusion. The word Babel means confusion. And you know that, that you know those people that talk and they don't even know what they're saying, but they're still talking? Confusion. But what's interesting is when you add that suffix on, it means sewn in. Sown in confusion is what the word Babylon means. Sown in confusion. It started in confusion at the Tower of Babel, which was a system where they believed that they didn't need God. They could get to heaven on their own without God. They would use their own energy, their own work. They, could, that, they thought that if they built this tower, they could get high enough to reach God in the heavens. And that is what the spirit of mammon is. It says, we don't need God if we have riches and money. It is a spirit that contrasts itself with the spirit of God. It is an arrogant, prideful spirit that tries to replace God. So mammon... Tries to replace God as provider. Jesus said, You can't serve God and mammon. In other words, mammon is looking for servants. Mammon wants to rule in your life. Mammon wants you to look to it instead of God. And here's the problem many of us actually grew up looking to mammon and we didn't even know it. We didn't even know it. Jesus makes this statement. You can't serve both. He says you're going to be loyal to one and you're going to despise the other. And let's just talk about church finances for just a moment. Many of us have been manipulated into giving. The reason why it bristles, you hear the word tithe and it bristles is because it's always been attached to some form of manipulation to it. We've been guilted, shamed, and given great pressure to sow into a ministry, right? Here we have, com we have committed ourselves to not manipulating you into giving. We are going to tell you what the Word of God says, and it's up to you. 100% up to you, and there's no shame or condemnation. Wherever you're at in your process of giving, like, if you, like all I can do is 1%. We celebrate every win. We celebrate every moment. Like, you might not be cheerful. Maybe you're a sorrowful giver. Darn it. I gave my 10%. Okay. All right. That's good obedience. We're going to celebrate your obedience. Now let's work on the heart. Right? Like, we're not mad about it. It's like, wherever you're at is where you're at. Okay? So we try not to manipulate at all, and we've made a firm commitment to do that. Of course, on the other hand, I've seen people try to force a ministry, special speakers, their agenda through their giving. I've had people drop large checks in the offering and then say, 
so when can I have my speaker, my friend come out and speak at the church? Well, that's not how we do things. I would love to get to know your friend because we do things on relationship. We're open to it, but they actually got offended and left the church because I didn't just take the check and give them what they wanted. This has happened. No, we kept it. They gave it. That'd be next level. That'd be something, that'd be next level. All right, hallelujah. Here's the other thing. I've also had people sit in the pews and receive everything that the church has to offer and refuse to support us financially. We're here to serve, we're here to give, but it's not a partnership. It's a one, that's a one-way deal. And we're supposed to have koinonia and fellowship and partnership with each other. And one of the primary ways you get to partnership and fellowship with us is financially, as well as giving of your time and energy and, and, and all that other stuff. Let me, tell you, let me just say this. We want people to give and be a part of what we're doing, but in both cases, whether it's, it's people trying to give in order to get what they want or it's us trying to manipulate you into giving in order for us to get what we want, either way, that's control and it's manipulation, which is actually witchcraft. It's a spirit of witchcraft that comes on the church when there is manipulation and it is the work of the spirit of mammon. My role as the pastor or leader of this group is to help you learn how to hear God for yourself and support you in obeying Him. Thank you. See, God's going to fund this thing. I'm not worried about it. God's going to fund this thing. He's our provider, right? You must hear God and obey what He asks you to do. You must hear and obey God what he wants you to sow into when. And let me tell you, every time I talk about tithing and you start having the going on. You have to deal with your heart. You have to deal with your heart because this is just a biblical concept. I can't count how many times I've preached on tithing and people walk out of the church because there's so much wounding around the spirit of witchcraft, around the spirit of mammon. And I think, man, what if we could be a church that was completely free from the spirit of mammon in our personal lives? What if we were completely free from manipulation and witchcraft when it came to finances? Do you know that God wants a place to pour through? But he's hesitant to give it if you're going to manipulate it. You think God wants to create an outpouring from heaven if you're going to be the judge? He's the judge. We listen. We obey. Woo. <laughs> All right. I want to help you discern what the Word of God says through healthy biblical teaching and counseling, sometimes personally because we need to deal with our heart issues. But your obedience and listening to God is up to you. I refuse to try and manipulate that. Now, I'm going to do a little side note. I'm going to make a really bold statement that might offend a couple of you here, and I'm okay with it. There is no such thing as a prosperity gospel. There's no such thing. Let me tell you, anytime you put a word in front of the gospel, it's a false gospel. God's principles are true. This concept of if I give, I'll get where God wants to bless everyone with a lot of money, with a Mercedes, with a Rolex, with whatever. The problem with that message is that it actually works selfishness and greed into your life instead of out of your life. The problem is it's a mammon message. Here's the problem. You become loyal to that. Here's what happens when people buy into a prosperity message. Now, let me tell you, I think that the church needs a word of faith movement. A hundred percent. We need to hear the word of the Lord. We have to respond by faith. That's different than a prosperity gospel. Let me just be clear for anybody who's confused. What I'm talking about specifically, let me show you this. 
When, here's what happens when people trust in a pers- uh, prosperity message. When something breaks or something goes wrong in their life financially, they despise God. They're angry at God. Why? Because you're loyal to one and you despise the other. You're actually serving mammon. You're not serving God. You will hate the one and love the other. And it causes weird cognitive dissonance in us. I love you, Jesus, but why did you do that? Wait, wait, hang on. It's because I've believed a lie and I'm serving a different God in reality. And when I'm faced with this reality, I've got one option, one option to get free, and it's repentance. Well, there's one option. Forgive me, God, for partnering with the spirit of mammon. I'm going to come in alignment with you, and I'm going to serve you. Because I believe that you're my provider, not money. Your blessing is determined only by you, God, not by me. That's the word right there. He's the one who determines all of our blessings. I wish I could dictate to God how I was blessed. And if I repeat it over and over and over and over and over and over and call it the word of faith, and then I'm actually repeating selfishness and greed into my life, I'm actually embedding the spirit of mammon into my finances. Jesus said, if you're loyal to mammon, you'll despise God. Mammon wants to take God's place. Mammon actually promises us everything that only God can give us. Mammon, think about it. Mammon promises identity, security, significance, happiness, joy, peace, all these things that only God can give. Only God can give peace, love, and joy, identity, and significance. Only God. Only God. Mammon wants to rule you. You can't serve both. Let's look at it this way. If you've ever prayed this, God, I need this much money or I need a miracle, that's the spirit of mammon. You're dealing with that spirit of mammon because God has a powerful solution to replace mammon in our life. He has a powerful solution for it. But we'll dig into this a little bit deeper here as we keep going. The, the next point here is mammon is the spirit of Antichrist. Okay, make sure, right? No, 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 no. I got a laser pointer that works. All right. Chris, can you make sure that you click on the PowerPoint thing? Okay, good, thanks. All right. <laughs> this is awesome. We need comedic relief in the middle of all this. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, Chris's pointer doesn't work. It's hilarious. <laughs> Whatever it takes. All right, mammon is the spirit of Antichrist. Now, many people have believed that the Antichrist will rule through different means and different threats. So some people for a long time, they thought, oh, it's going to, you know, it's going to come through the threat of nuclear war. It's going to come in different ways. But the reality of the Antichrist, spirit of the Antichrist, is that it is the spirit of mammon. Let me tell you this. We live in an area of the world that is so deeply bound to the spirit of mammon that the fear attached to the future supply has put much of the church into service of the spirit of mammon instead of the spirit of God. Now, what do I mean? 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, and so on. Revelation 13, verses 16 through 17 says this. He causes all, both small and great, talking about the Antichrist. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. The spirit of Antichrist rules through the threat of not being able to buy or sell. That's how the spirit of mammon's at work. If you don't bow to me, if you don't take the mark, 
If you don't, I'll, I'll just say it. If you don't get the vaccine, if you don't use the banks or the credit system, you won't be able to provide for your family. The fear attached to that is the spirit of mammon. Some of us are living in so much fear, we're stockpiling, which is fine. There's a place for wisdom. I don't have a problem with that. But if you're operating in a spirit of fear, you're serving mammon. How many toes did I just hit? I think I might have hit a couple. There's a fear that you won't be able to provide for your family. The fear that's attached here is the spirit of mammon. God will give us wisdom to navigate all of this. Listen, I am proud of our church. (laughs) I am proud of how generous our church is. I am proud that we choose to look forward. We see it like we're doing a prophetic thing, looking at the next year. And we look at, okay, we can see that, man, there might be an economic crisis on the horizon. Great. Okay, you're seeing it. What spirit are you going to partner with? And I'm so glad that so many of us are like, I am not going to live in fear. Many of us, though, there is a gnawing fear of what's to come. And unfortunately, in this area, it has driven much of the Christian church into hiding. We've chosen to serve the spirit of mammon. We've bowed to it, serving it through obeying it, the fear of the loss of money and resources. And we have neglected God's plan for sowing because we're trying to reserve it because we're afraid. That's the spirit of mammon. See, it's a contrast all through our lives. Mammon is trying to get you to bow. Mammon is trying to get you to serve and to worship mammon. And Jesus says, no. God is the only one that can provide everything you need. God is the only one that can provide identity and security and peace and happiness and joy and love. Only God can. But mammon says he can provide you with what you want. At the root, the spirit of mammon will say, you know, if you had more money, people will listen to you. If you'll have more significance, if you had more money, if you had more money or you had the right credit cards, if you had the right clothes, if you had the right car, if you had the right house, if you had more money, you'd be happier. If you had more money, you'd have a better marriage. If you had more money, and here's the big lie. Here's the big lie that that I think really afflicts us in the church is that if I had more money, I could help more people. Listen to me very carefully. Money doesn't help people. God helps people. (sighs) Jesus never told anyone that he needed more money. Never told anyone he needed more money. Right? Never did a leper, a lame man, a blind man, did he say, have mercy? Did they say, have mercy on me, son of David? And they were, Jesus says, oh, you just need more money. <laughs> Not once. Not once. I'll tell you again, I'm contrasting all this to show us that we've all been influenced by the spirit of mammon. We've all been influenced by the spirit of mammon. We've had this thinking at some point or another, and I think we all have. I either need God to come through or I need someone to give me some money. Or if someone would give me some money, then we say, I'm okay, God. Right? Someone give us some money. Okay, God, I'm okay. I've got some money. My problem's been solved. I don't need you because I've got money. We think money is a solution. And we will give God, God, I either need money to come from somewhere or God, you've got to do a miracle. Or what? Do we hear ourselves? God, give me money or a miracle. You can't serve God and mammon. This should change our, radically change our prayer life. Are you following me? Are we doing okay? 
Have you ever gotten yourself in the jam and your mind's like, I've got this huge problem and I'm going to go earn more money to fix it? Lord, I know I'm, I'm preaching to somebody in this room today where we think we can solve a problem by going to earn more money. That's a spirit of mammon. <laughs> I love it. Robert Morris, the guy who wrote the book Blessed Life. His dad, he had, um, he had uh, when he was like 19 years old, he took his dad's boat out on a lake in Texas and was out there, and there was a light flashing, and so he just unplugged the light. It was the oil light, and he fried the engine. His brand new boat is like $4,000 fix. And he says to his dad, Dad, I, I promise you, I'll find a way to pay for this and fix this problem. And this is his dad's reply. Son, if money can fix it, it's not a problem. And if money can't fix it, God can. Robert Morris's dad was telling him, money is not the answer to your problems, son. God is always the answer to your problems. That's what mammon is. It's an antichrist spirit trying to supplant God as the solution to our problems. Now, is money evil? This is a good question. Is money evil? Because Jesus said unrighteous mammon, right? Right? What's he talking about? And let me say again, mammon is a spirit. If mammon is not a spirit, how come it can talk? I bet when you feel led to give a big offering, you might hear voices. Spirit of mammon is real. I am not kidding. The Spirit of God prompts you to do something unreasonable and illogical with your giving, and suddenly another voice says, but you need me. <sighs> That's the Spirit of Mammon. See, this is why I've been waiting so long to preach this message. I've been hungry to preach this message from February. I've been praying into today since February. This is a day where, where we actually break the whole ceiling off of the potential of this church. Because we've been sitting here listening to the God of mammon and calling it wisdom. We've been listening to the God of mammon thinking, well, I have to be wise. When actually the spirit of God is getting snuffed out left and right because you won't obey. because of your great reasonings, because you're listening to the whispers of the spirit of mammon. It might not be everybody, but I think it's probably a majority. All right. <clears throat> mammon is a spirit that rests on money. So is money evil? But mammon's a spirit that rests on money. We have to understand that. All money has a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of God on it or it has the spirit of mammon on it. All the money in your account right now either has God's spirit. That, listen, my preaching is not that bad, little cricket. I got a little cricket running right across. the. I'm like, you know, the crickets come out in this place in the winter. I'll start preaching. Chirp, 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 chirp. But I'll let him be. Normally I'd stomp it, but I might traumatize some people right in front of everybody. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I just, I just bless you, little cricket man. All right. <clears throat> Come on, amen. Even the, even the rocks, even the crickets will cry out from the rocks. All right. All money has a spirit on it, right? It either has the spirit of God on it or it has the spirit of mammon on it. All the money in your account right now either has God's spirit or the spirit of mammon. Now, let me tell you something. God has made a way to redeem money to make sure the Spirit of God is resting on your finances. And the way you get God's Spirit on it, according to Scripture, is you give the first 
10% to the house of God, and God redeems the rest out from under the spirit of this world, which is the spirit of mammon. Why would you want the spirit of mammon on your money? Money is not evil. Money's neutral. You can use it for good or for bad. And people say, well, the Bible says that money's the root of all evil. Well, that's not what it says. What it says, and this is in 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, in other words, they got under the spirit of mammon, right? You've erred from the faith Whoa, you coveted money, and therefore you erred from the faith. And you were pierced, they were pierced, they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Here's what I think he's saying. I think he's saying, loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Because you can't serve God and mammon. Loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Now, let's clarify this a bit more because this passage has caused a lot of confusion in Luke 16. All right, Luke 16 verse 9 says this, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Many of us have thought that this is just about money, that I'm going to use unrighteous mammon, so I'm going to use the money of this world, and I can gain favor, I can get nice things, and I, could, I, could tell, I can help people that maybe, maybe have influence, and when I need a favor, they'll give me a favor. That is not what this passage is saying at all, at all. All right. And if I'm feeling a little squeaky, <clears throat> I just noticed my wife gave me the look. I'm like, I, I just squeaked. I felt it. <laughs> All right. Hallelujah. All right, here we go. Many of us have thought that this was just about money, but... What Jesus is saying here is that we must redeem and put to use for the kingdom of God those things that have been unrighteous. He's talking about the spirit of mammon here. So how do we redeem our finances? We redeem our finances through the tithe and the giving of first fruits. And remember, Hebrews reminds us that though we give the tithe to the house of God, Right, which the reason why he wants to give it to the house of God is for the sake of making sure that there's bread in his house, that ministry can happen, that teaching can happen, worship can happen, fellowship can happen. All of those things are able to happen. Where God plants you is where you sow. You give, you let me get the language right because I'm still getting it. Bring the tithe where God has planted you. That's simple. Okay. Don't, like, if you're watching me online and you're not your home church, don't tithe here. <laughs> don't. Tithe where you're getting fed. And if you don't have a church home, my phone number's on the website. We'll figure this out for you. We're, 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 we're not, at this point, we are not intended to have multiple campuses all over the place and have a big, huge uh, internet church. Our focus is right here, right now on the people who show up, on the people who feel called here. Okay. I don't even know why I said all that. Hallelujah. Lord, help me get back on track. All right. We, here's what happens. We take the unrighteous tools, what Satan uses to do evil, we redeem them and build the kingdom of God, and through that we build the kingdom. We see souls saved. They become your friends, your brothers, your sisters in Christ. And it says when you fail, right? In, in Luke 69, it says, it says that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. The word fail literally means when you physically expire, when you die. See, these people who've come to Christ because you gave, you used, you used the tool of the world, you use this tool that the enemy uses for evil, you bring it into redemption, you give it, and, and you see souls saved. There's going to be people in heaven that you are going to meet who are like, I had to come meet you because I got saved because you sowed, you and there was only 25 other people in the whole world that sowed into that missions program and I got saved because they came and found me and you gave into that and I'm here because you gave. 
This is what he's talking about. Luke 16, a little further down here, verses 10 and 11 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, there we have it again, who will commit to your trust the true riches. What are we talking about? True riches here are souls. In the kingdom, there's nothing of higher value. True riches is not about the house you're going to live in in heaven. It's about souls. It's amazing that you can give to the church and you can give to missions and it can turn into souls. See, money is not evil. I think I'm behind on my clicker. Yeah. Okay. So next question. What should I do with the money I have? Well, you steward it. (laughs) Steward it. We have a culture, uh, one of our values of our cultures is stewardship, and the definition of that is managing heaven's resources for the Father's business. Um, It'll never be mine. It'll always be the Lord's. Like, that has to be the heart cry of all of our finances, of everything that we do. Like, if God asks me to give away our entire savings account and sell our car and sell our house, if he asks us to do all of that, it's not mine. God, it'll never be mine. It will always be yours because if he asks me to do that, I know he's my provider. He's my protector. He's going to guard my family. He's going to make sure my wife's safe and there is no safer place in the kingdom of God than being obedient. You want to cut calamity out of your life? Find out where you can obey the Lord. Step into the protection of God and the favor of God, which happens with obedience. I know some of you uh, might be thinking, Chris, I've got too little of this unrighteous mammon to be concerned with this message. (laughs) If I had more, then I'd probably be taking notes and listening very intently. But this just isn't really helping me. Listen to me lovingly. If that's your way of thinking, that I have too little to be concerned with this, to be concerned with what Jesus taught. If that's your way of thinking, you will never have any more. Because he was faithful in what is least, is faithful also in much. Please hear me. If you have a little and you don't tithe, you'll never have much. And I'm not saying that to manipulate. This is the word of God. This is the most common scenario I see with persistent, persistent poverty. I see people who experience poverty, and I see them start tithing and get out of poverty. I see it happen all the time, all the time. I can't count how many people that I'm like, hey, let me, come, come here. Let me, let's talk about tithing. Let's understand his God principle for your finances. We'll have a conversation because they're struggling. They're check to check. They're really, even on fixed incomes, and they're trying to figure out, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And listen, if you begin to just trust the Lord a little bit, Give them 1%, give them 2%, just start. Do something, but give it in faith and trust that God's going to meet your need. We have checks come out of the blue. We have provision just start pouring in and opportunities. And all of a sudden, like, I've had, I've had the government change their mind on things. People start tithing, and they're like, you know what? We've been, t- we've been paying you the wrong way this entire time, and here's a $20,000 back pay. I, I've seen it happen. This is the most common scenario, right? God's established a way through entrusting our finances to him in order to build our faith and to see him do miracles. What God does is this. We all start out with a little. Like very few of us like came in silver spoon in it, right? Like maybe a couple, which that's probably a really dated analogy, right? Like the silver spoon thing, that's probably really old. Um, You weren't born wealthy. Some of us did, you know, uh, had great parents who did a great job, and, and we had something to start with. Praise God. 
The point is this. He gives us a little, whatever you have, and he sees if he can trust you. If he can trust us, he gives us more. And he gives us more. And he gives us more until we get to the level where we can be a blessing to our family, be a blessing to others, where we're not just bringing the tithe. We're now able to give above that. We're able to hear and give above that by faith, right? Because this is an issue of faith. It's not an issue of how much. It's not an issue of how much money you have. When he gives you more, it's because he knows that your faith will respond in generosity. All right. Be faithful with the little you have. Right? Now, I preach, I preached this a few weeks ago. God is testing us to see if we trust him or not in the things of this world. This is why people are stuck praying for money to come in to answer the problem. They're serving mammon. God isn't their provider. Mammon is. In fact, they have become slaves to mammon. Let me dive into this just a little bit deeper because I want us to grasp this reality of God as our provider. The only time that money was part of the answer that God gave was through a creative miracle when he said, go drop your line in the water, you're going to catch a fish. And inside of that fish's mouth will be a gold coin. That's the only time in all of Scripture that God includes money in a solution. It's the only time. Why? Because you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve both. God is not in the business of just handing you checks for the sake of you having checks. This creative miracle is always a partnership with faith and obedience. Lord, have mercy. All right. God wants us to partner with faith and obedience, right? So God's answer is never money. It is faith partnered with obedience. What does that do? It, it actually creates creative miracles. God's solution is always a creative miracle. God's solution let me tell you to say it again because I feel like we need to hear it. God's solution is a creative miracle. God never is like, I'm going to give you more money. He always does a creative miracle to meet your need. What about my debt? He'll do a creative miracle. Watch this. I want you to think about this. Manna in the wilderness appearing on the ground. A creative miracle. Quail falling from the sky in the camp. A creative miracle. Water from the rock. A creative miracle. It's throwing your net to the other side. It's a creative miracle. It's bringing those jars of oil because the oil is going to keep pouring. As long as you keep pouring, that oil is going to keep coming and you'll be able to store it up because you're going to have the supply that you need. It's a creative miracle. Bring the flour and the cake because you're going to be eating good the rest of your days. It's a creative miracle, right? It's the master has need of this cult. It's a creative miracle. Let me tell you this. It is the creative miracle that makes mammon bow down. It is the creative miracle that makes mammon bow down. And one of the reasons why we will pray for money is because we think we understand it. We think we can come up with God's solution. Well, if you're the one coming up with a solution from God, you're not that smart. You're not smart enough to come up with a God solution because what God does is creative. He will, he will ask you to do something by faith that will unleash a creative miracle. I was talking with a good friend of ours that comes to this church, Jim McGowan. I was talking with Jim last night even. And uh, uh, we, we had this amazing process. He had to find another place to stay. He just could not find a place to stay. You know, God, he, he followed, he was just obedient and did some things. And he ended up being two months fully paid in a hotel instead of being homeless. Okay? He was able to do that. 
And then he had been struggling with finding an apartment that he could live in here in Sandpoint. He didn't want to go anywhere else. So he's looking for an apartment here in Sandpoint. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. And so he's knocking on doors, and he knocked on a bunch of doors, and he said, nope, 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 and time's running out on the on the thing, and then all of a sudden, like, he's supposed to be out of the hotel, and boom, he's got, like, three more days. Supposed to be out again. Okay, he's got five more days. It's just miracle after miracle coming up for him, providing for him, and then God whispers in his ear, I need you to go back over to that one apartment building, and he's arguing, right? He's saying, God, I already did that. I already did that. Like, you want me to go back there again? He's, yeah, go back there again, so he goes back there again. She's like, sorry, we don't have anything, and then on his way out the door, she says, wait, hang on a minute. Would you be able to get a co-signer? Because he didn't have a rental history because he lived with family and friends for four years. Could you get a co-signer? Yeah, I think so. Let me try. Jim calls me. We have a great conversation. God did a creative miracle because the church was willing to sign off on being a co-signer for Jim to get into an apartment. Within a few, within a, what, a week? Two weeks? It was two weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, it was two weeks. And let me tell you, over and over and over again, he was supposed to, he thought he was going to be in the streets. He thought he was going to be in his car because of the amount of time it was taking to get his apartment ready. And that Funding kept coming in for that apartment or for the hotel. <laughs> He'd be praying, phone would ring. And I, I'm just telling you, the answer to Jim's problem wasn't money. It was listening and obeying the voice of God, and God provided for him at every step of the way. He had the money to do it, but he needed a creative miracle. So thank you, Jim. I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> he gave him everything he asked for. I, I, I just, <laughs> I just, I just wanted to use Jim as a quick example because we got I had the honor of walking with Jim to believe God by faith for a miracle to come about for him to have a place to stay. It wasn't about the money, but God did something creative. He created a space when there was none available for him. Well, let me keep preaching for a minute before we have a Q&A session, because we could do that. <laughs> okay, good. All right. I love it. I love it. I, w I just wanted to bring that up, um, because the creative miracle is critical. Mammon says money will fix it. Stop praying for money to fix things. Stop praying for money to fix things. You know what we pray? Lord, teach me your ways that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Teach me your ways that I may know you and find favor in your sight. That's how we pray. Let's close with this. I, I, I want to, and I'm great with having a little Q&A if you guys want to have that, if you guys are okay with the time. If you need to go, go. Um, in a minute, but I, I just want to, I want to end with this story in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. You, you might be familiar with it. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Have you not lied to men but to God? Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. 
Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Listen, Ananias and Sapphira lied about their generosity in their hearts. Why? Because mammon was their God. It says that, that Satan filled their hearts. That spirit of Antichrist filled their hearts. This is so powerful. Satan fills your heart through the spirit of mammon when he is the God that you love the most or that you prefer to love. This is why the Bible says you cannot serve two masters. You'll either hate the one or love the other or despise the one and love the other. Here's the thing. There is no room in your heart for two gods. There is no room in your heart for two gods. We must fill our hearts with the things of God. Mammon cannot fill your heart when it's full of the things of God. Mammon can't have your heart when it's filled with the things of God. There is a war for your heart, and mammon uses money to conquer it. Matthew 6.21 says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are heading into a season of God-expanding territory. I believe that part of our next season must be to learn how to defeat the spirit of mammon. And this is how we will do it. We will not give an inch in our hearts to mammon. Mammon has no place to go in our lives when our life is on assignment to the things of God. If your life is on assignment to the things of God, mammon has no place in your life. No place in your life. See, the scripture says that as soon as Ananias and Sapphira drop dead, it says great fear spread through the church. See, mammon tries to use fear to fill your heart. But the fear of money, the fear, the spirit of mammon, it was pushed out of the church. It was pushed out. Why? Because a greater fear came. Right? They unseated the principality by lifting up the highest power, the highest authority, and it was taught among the people. If you feel a spirit that's not the Holy Spirit coming in, invite the greater spirit. Invite the greater spirit. The fear of the Lord is greater than the fear of losing money or having too much money. And we know this fear well. Either way, it's the spirit of mammon. The truth is that God is going to provide. Amen? See, I know him too well. He's going to be pleased with my generosity. I know him too well. He's going to be pleased with my kindness. Uh, I know him too well. I can't outgive him. I know him too well. I know that he gives back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over because I know him too well. And I know too well he loves me even more than the birds, and if he can take care of them, he's going to take care of me. When you're full of the fear of God, there is no room for the spirit of man. And I believe one of the keys to breakthrough, to break out and to break through the spirit of man is to start with thanksgiving and gratitude. Will you stand, please? I want you to begin in your heart and then out loud. I want you to begin to thank God for every blessing in your life. I want you to thank God for the roof that is over your head. I want you to thank God for the transportation that you have to get back and forth. I want you to thank God for your family. I want you to thank God for your job. I want you to thank God for your income. I want you to thank him out loud all over this place. Now begin to raise your voice louder than the spirit of mammon. We need to be louder than the spirit of mammon. We, we cannot allow the spirit of mammon to have the loudest voice in this house. So we're going to let our gratitude ring out. Thank him for the bed that you slept in last night. Thank him for the great meal you had at the Christmas party last night. Thank him for your help, even if the things are all right in your body. We begin to thank him for what the work is 
that he's doing in you right now. Thank him for salvation. Thank him for the grace and the goodness that is poured out in your life. Begin to remember the times when he healed you, when he restored you, when he saved you, when he covered you with his love and mercy all around you. Begin to thank him out loud. Thank you, Lord. Now I want us to break the stronghold of mammon all over this church. If you've been partnering in any way, shape, or form with any spirit but the Holy Spirit, or you partnered with the spirit of mammon, I want you to begin to repent right now. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me. I turn away from that lie. I turn away from believing in money could solve my problems. I turn away now. Begin to ask the Lord to forgive you. Tell him, I repent. Even if you don't know how to do this and maybe you've never done this before, it's okay. Just say, I break all partnerships. I break all partnerships. I break my obedience to mammon. I resist that obedience that I had to mammon. I declare mammon, I will not serve you any longer. I will not fear you any longer. I will not obey you any longer. I will not adhere to you any longer. Some of you need to raise your voice to the same volume that mammon has attacked you. <laughs> Come on. If you felt, if you felt like this spirit has attacked you, I want you to lift your voice right now to say, I will not partner with the spirit of mammon. Come on, I will not partner with the spirit of mammon. I will not part come on, church. I'm not gonna partner with the spirit of mammon. I will not allow it to have influence in my life anymore. I reject it. Yes, yes, yes. This is a place where we break strongholds of the enemy. This is a day where you choose to follow the voice of the Lord and no other voice. No other voice. I want you to declare this with me. I will never serve you again mammon. I will never obey you. I'll never bow to you again. I'll never let money determine my worship. I'll never let money determine my prayer life. I repent for believing the lie that I just need more money. And I declare freedom over you right now in Jesus' name. I believe that we will step into radical faith. And let me answer one question that might be Pamela's. Let me answer one question about stewardship. The, the, the key to stewardship isn't your retirement plan. The key to stewardship is not about saving money. The key to stewardship is obeying God. God might tell you, you need to store up. You, I'm, I'm asking you to save money. Stop spending money on stuff that I didn't tell you to spend money on. That's a great start. Stop going into debt because you thought you needed it. Lord have mercy, it's hard. Especially if you have capacity to borrow money. If you don't have capacity to borrow money, you're not worried about going further in debt. Let me just tell you, stewardship primarily is I hear his voice and I do what he asks me to do. And, and my fear of not having money will not have influence on the choice that I'm making to obey God. Because God is my provider. I can't count how many amazingly wealthy people that I've talked to that said, yeah, you know, 20 years ago, God told me to sell my house and give away all my whole savings. Give it all away. Kevin's going to tell some stories next week. I'll tell one story. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's one you're going to tell next week, but let me just tell one story. There's a gentleman 
who came to his pastor. He felt like God asked him to sell his house and to give away his savings. And this guy's fairly wealthy. We're talking millions of dollars. Like he was just going to give it all. So he says, what do you think? You know, so they pray about it. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. So him and his wife were figuring this thing out, right? Because you got to do things in unity, right? So it took a couple extra months for them to kind of pray through it to make sure they were both on the same page. Meek and I have, a, have, a, have an agreement. If it doesn't work for her, it doesn't work for me. If it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for her. And we might have a disagreement about what works for each other, but that means we don't do anything until we, it, it, we come to an agreement. That's a spirit-led, because we have one spirit in our marriage, and that's the spirit of Christ. So if we're going to actually operate in unity, I actually have to slow down and not control the situation and come up with some bogus idea that God gave me as a man 51% of the choice. It's garbage. It's garbage. It's from the pit of hell. <laughs> if you want to know where I really stand on that. So this guy, it takes a couple of months. They get to an agreement that this is, that yes, they were going to sell everything. They do it. Put their house up for sale, and they start liquidating all their assets. Her parents call the next, within two days, and say, hey, we want you to have some of your inheritance while we're living. We just bought you land, and we're going to build you a house. Just a couple days after they made the decision, because the big question is, where are we going to live? What are we going to do? He's still had his job. He's had made good money. It's like, you know, but what's going to happen? There's this fear. Well, that's the fear of mammon. The fear of mammon says, you're not going to have enough. You're going to be left out in the cold. It's never going to, you're not going to be okay. God might ask you to do something crazy. Check in with us. We want to pray with you. We want to partner with you. He checked in with his pastor and said, hey, I need you to pray about this. This is a big deal. Don't do this stuff willy-nilly. But let's partner and let's hear God. And they're like, yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like that's the Lord. You should just do what the Lord asks you to do. Or, hey, time out. There might be something off here. We need to flesh this out before you make that decision. Okay. God will provide. He's our provider. Stewardship is obedience. All right. I'm going to close this out with the last word of prayer. You guys doing all right? Put our hands on our heart. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you're working something deep within us today. You're changing the trajectory of our lives and you're changing the trajectory of this church. You're calling us into places we've never been before and we thank you, God, that as good stewards... We'll have a plan. We'll come up with the, 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 the ability to budget and manage well. We'll do all of that, but we will never place our budget above your voice. We'll never, we'll never place our fear above your voice because we will not partner with the spirit of mammon again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.